Welcome to Floor Masters. I'm Anthony Moses, the owner of Simply Intricate Designs, the number one flooring contractor in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. This podcast is about flooring installation, custom showers, kitchen remodels, bath remodels, everything involved from materials to pricing to how-tos and how-not. Get your headphones, get your pen and paper, and let's get it. Hey, 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 everybody. Thank y'all for tuning in to the Floor Master Podcast. I am Anthony Moses, the owner of Simply Intricate Designs, the number one flooring and tile contractor in the Baton Rouge area. Um, again, you're tuned in to the Floor Master Podcast. Like always, it's another amazing show, another amazing guest, another amazing topic. And before we get into it, I have to take this time to shout out our sponsor, the National Tile Contractor Association, like always, like we always say, this is the organization that you must know about when it has anything to do with tile, because these, this is the organization that, that shares the standards that we have to follow. It shares the resources that we need. Um, it gives us benefits for being members. If you are a tile contractor and you are not a member of the National Tile Contractor Association, look into it. Do yourself a favor and become one because it is hands down one of the best things I've done for my tile career. Now, have to introduce our amazing guest, Mr. Oakley Corbin. Oakley, do me a favor. Please introduce yourself. Tell them what you do, how you do it, where you do it, why you do it, and all that good stuff. Uh, name's Oakley Corbin, uh, owner of Corbin's Floor and More. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at that tag. Uh, we focus on hiring showers and tile work. Uh, mostly in the past, we focused on flooring and stuff like that. But uh, we focus on trying to get clients that are hiring contractors and uh, try to focus mostly on word of mouth. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's basically where we're at at this point. Uh, we're pretty new. You know, I've only been doing this for four years, but for three years of it, I was a uh, – box store sub <clears throat> before I made the transition to working by word of mouth and building these relationships with these uh, contractors I've met over the last year. That is um, the topic for today. What we want to talk about uh, is new contractors coming into the game uh, with uh, experience and how that journey is. Um, things that you have to look out for, things that you're learning, things that you can be better at, and how we can share that knowledge with other people. So you mentioned um, starting off with with uh, the big box stores. How was how was that experience? How did it happen? Um, and how did you get out of it? <clears throat> well, I was a crew leader for my father for many years, so I was already familiar and had built relationships with most of this, the uh, installation managers at Empire today. Uh, they're actually like one of the biggest uh, comp flooring companies in the nation, but they actually have no storefronts. Um, it's kind of crazy. So it's all, it's, it's all installation. Like it's, it's installation. percent. I mean, That's they have their commercial and then you call that phone number. They send a the salesperson out. They bring material samples with them based off of what you tell them you want. And then they make the sale. 
and then the next person I meet is me, the installer. <clears throat> it's pretty wild how it works, but we did that for a while. And then, you know, I first, when you're just running a crew, I mean, you kind of just do what the boss tells you. You know what I mean? So the quality, yeah. sometimes, even whether you want it to be there or not, they're trying to push you out, you know, next one, next one, next one. And, uh, you know, when I finally made the decision to go out on my own because the relationship between me and my father wasn't so great anymore, kind of one of my core values of what I was trying to do was making sure that I did it all right. There's so many things that have been passed down and things I had learned that were wrong that I was educating myself on that, you know, to do the right way that I felt like I was doing a disservice to the community by in doing the installations the way that we were, you know, when you start le learning about the specifications for your installations on even your laminate, you know, your, you know, your three sixteenths of an inch and six and 10 feet, uh, you don't have time to do that on these box store jobs. And I wanted to make sure that when the customer paid for a floor, they got everything that they would have thought they were getting if they were to educate themselves on it first. Right. And so I made that step and like trying to do that with these box store companies is hard because even the installation managers don't want you doing things by the book and the things that they'll recommend you to do are just like bizarre. You know what I mean? You're like, dude, are you kidding me right now? Like, this is insane. Um, this is a customer spending, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars, not only thousands of thousands of dollars. I mean, at the empire today, they're spending, you know, maybe double what most installations would cost because the salesperson can go out there and quote for whatever they want. It's commission based. They're subcontractors too. So like once I really learned what was going on with these stores, I'm like, these people are paying boatloads of money to not even get the quality of insulation they could afford. If somebody was out here with some integrity doing it the right way. And so I tried to carry that into the store with me. And I quickly learned that you couldn't do that in a box store um, unless you have the right installation managers, which I'm sure there are some across the nation. Uh, they're not concerned about what's right and wrong. They're concerned about getting the job done. So I started marketing myself a little bit, I guess you would say, or building a portfolio using social media. And I started getting calls. I mean, this is years down the road that we got to where I'm, my portfolio is big right. enough on social media that people are looking at it and going, wow, these guys do great work and they can see what we're doing. You know, maybe sometimes I forget to take a picture of the end job because we're so busy and I'm still learning so much, but there's pictures of in the middle of the job, you know, in the, the process of what we're doing, they can see, you know, how we trial it, you know, that we use the, the leveling systems, the tuning systems that we tape our scenes, you know, these little things. So I started doing that from the get go. And then I started getting calls, you know, later on down the road and I didn't know what to do with them. Cause I was so busy with the box stores. Like they'll, they'll give you more, more work than you can handle. Right. And I had to, you know, eventually make a decision, you know, like, am I going to continue to struggle with these stores doing it the right way? Or am I going to, you know, make the leap and like have confidence and faith that, you know, if I do this on my own, that I don't need this store managing, 
you know, my schedule, like I can go do these bids on my own, you know, I can go, can I do all that and still have time for my family? Can I do all that and still charge an affordable price? You know, so these were all things I had to factor in to making a jump on my own because these box stores, they're easy to work for. But the amount of, um, I'd say, damage I had to take, you know, towards my character, I feel like in the beginning, and then all the headache and pain to get these managers to let you do it the right way is is just too much. So how was how was the transition from uh from once you made that leap? Um you said you was getting phone calls to where you didn't know what to do with them because you you were trying to balance the two. How was the transition from uh from the time that you you stepped away from the box stores to where now you're just accepting uh phone calls and going doing your own bids? Was it easy or how did that go? <laughs> Well, the amount of the jobs that I was getting at the end when I was in limbo about it, at that time I had actually two crews going through Home Depot. Home Depot would keep one crew uh, busy doing laminate floors. If I did tile, you know what I mean? They'd give me one small job a week of tile to do maybe two. And if I did those two, they'd keep my laminate crew busy the whole time. Mm-hmm. I was lucky enough that I got to train my first employee that was, you know, could run their own van. Uh, I was the one who had trained him all the way up until the point where he was an installer or lead installer for my father as well. And then I got to take him on, you know, many years, a uh, couple years after I had started box seven. And uh, so, yeah, I was able to, since I was only taking on maybe one or two little tile jobs a week, a backsplash or a floor or something, I was able to start squeezing in some of my own jobs. And, uh, that was pretty stressful for a little bit because, you know, you get a call from your other crew lead on some situation they can't handle because they don't know how to talk to project managers at the box store. Uh, and you got to leave, you know, the install that you're trying to do under your own company name, your, your reputation yeah. to go take care of a, you know, an issue on a the box stores job, you know, which you're trying to leave anyway. So you don't really care, but they feed your family. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> so that was, that was a little bit stressful there, but it kind of all gradually happened for me in a way that was a little relieving on my decision-making because my helper, uh, or my lead employee uh, for that second crew, uh, he ended up getting like a nerve damage in his back mm. uh, just from getting too heavy. So I, you know, we moved, made the decision. He's like, I, I got to move on to something else. I can't really install anymore. I can't get on the floor. And he's young. He's he's a year younger than me. He's only 26 years old. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I mean, he wasn't taking very good care of his health. You know, yep. me and you talked about it earlier. People really they'll drink themselves to death. And yeah. I feel like that's kind of what he was doing. And we tried to help him, but you know, you can only help so much. And I wish he was here with me today because he was a knowledgeable kid. He knew the trade, you know, as far as wood through and through. And, uh, it's hard to find guys that will go and want to learn the trade, what right. it is, you know, read the, the, the manuals and, you know, get caught up on the, the guidelines. 
but anyway, so since he had fallen off anyway, I'm like, I don't need to work for these box stores anymore. I have a little bit of my own work. I'm not going to do these tile jobs for these box stores. They don't pay anything. You know, three dollars and fifty cents a square foot, and you're going out to do a bathroom. You know what I mean? What does that pay with with rock? You're only getting, you know, a couple hundred bucks tops, right. and that's probably because you're getting the minimum. So it was pretty easy for me to actually jump, make the jump. Like I didn't have to make the decision. It's kind of being made for me. But uh, so I just told him, hey, I'm going to take a step away. I felt like I had enough jobs of my own uh, that I had solely worked through. I had probably went through about five jobs while still subbing from a box store before I finally was able to like finally just make the jump. And uh, it became a little stressful really fast. Uh, my first jobs this year on my own completely were a complete it was a kitchen floor, a breakfast nook, laundry room floor, <clears throat> uh, completely demoed. And then the kitchen was a 15 by 30. And then the laundry room and breakfast nook was a 6 by 24 on a herringbone. And then we had a full bathroom gut. And they were supposed to be gutted when I got there. But when I showed up on the date we scheduled, uh, it still had mud, everything, the mud walls were still there with tile on them and I had bid this job for just like a few weeks you know the floors we were going to knock out fast I thought I'd be in and out of this house in three weeks had scheduled next a uh, 3,000 square foot wall tile job uh, at my church yeah (laughs) so I started off good you know what I mean I was like oh I got these two big ones set up well when I showed up to the first one and I seen that the mud walls were already there or still there it, I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. I mean, that's a, that took us a whole day just to demo it, right. and get it all cleaned up, and then come in the next day and start to prep. I mean, it just one thing after another. I had never had to schedule, so I never left room for complications. And quickly, with them two big jobs, I became overwhelmed and um, behind. Yeah. It was not an easy transition. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And I think I think that's uh that's common in the beginning because uh it's so many other factors to uh making a job successful that we don't see as an installer, as just an installer. Because you show up to the job, uh, it's it's laid out for you. You get the you hey, this is the material, this is where it goes, this is the pattern. You get to put it down, but once you have to uh, incorporate planning and scheduling, um, material pickup, transfer, drop-offs, tools, and all that, it's a different beast. Oh, yeah, and even just trying to keep in contact, like good communication, that's that's a challenge in its own. I mean, it takes discipline to keep good communication between you and your clients and your contractors. And when you're new like a whole new level of communication of course you know on a four day long job that you're doing for a store you communicate with the customer this is when we'll be here you know this is what we're doing but when you got contractors calling you like okay the toilets are coming in tomorrow so we need to move you from here and go over to this bathroom you know it's a quarter mile through this building it's like are you kidding me 
you know, I already told you today was going to be the day that I had to go do this other job. So like, even when you do communicate, there's things that come up because this is a commercial job. Another right. thing that I had never really been a part of, I had done a couple of small ones on the side, um, like some glue down vinyl planks uh, and some Edward Jones buildings, but I had never taken on anything this big of a project. And there's like, I think I had heard you talking to somebody about it the other day on commercial projects, you get penalized. You know, if you're not, if you're not keeping, they can be pretty lenient with you, but if you're getting in somebody else's way, you best believe you're going to get penalized. Right. So, you know, everything else has to go to the back burner. You got to jump ship. You got to go over there. So I'm working from the beginning on my own 20 hours a day, some days. It was completely unmanageable. Right. You know, so I leave the city on one of my bigger jobs. And since they had called me earlier that day and told me in the middle of the day that, you know, so-and-so plumber was coming and I had to have this much wall tile done so they could set toilets. I had no other choice to go at, you know, come home, eat, say hi to my family and then leave, you know, if I could even find help. Cause at that point, you know, you can't make your employees work crazy hours, even if you do, you know what I mean? They have families as well. So my help would work with me eight hours and when I'd leave that job, I'd come home, and then I'd go back over to the church, and I'd work by myself for another eight. So in the beginning, like many of us, it's, it's rough because you have nobody else to rely on. Unless you come into it with a, uh, a, a actual business partner that has um, some, some, some ownership of the company, it's all you. And you're trying to support your brand in the beginning to make sure that uh, it doesn't go down the drain as soon as it gets started. I've experienced it. I'm sure all of us, all of us have experienced it because um, there's people that's, that's, that's years into the game that are still working those 16-hour days because of uh, time crunches and trying to get done so they can be on the next one or they got two projects that's going on and something has to be rescheduled. They got to go shoot, like you said, shoot back over time to, to, to at least make some progress on one job to where you're, you're juggling things that you can't pass off to other people. Cause they're like, man, it's not my company. Um, I'm not working at 10 o'clock tonight. That's your job. Right. I'll show up tomorrow yeah. when I'm normally scheduled, but <laughs> right. And that's probably one of the biggest issues that I've run into, like you said, is like nobody else can do what I do. And that's one of the biggest problems I have even still today is like nobody can do the bids because it's a personal connection when you walk into a customer's house. That first connection kind of is what sells the whole experience. So nobody else can do the bids because I am the experience. You know what I mean? And then I am the installer. You know what I mean? So it, it really does. It, even when it comes down to the installation thing in the beginning, it would come down to it, you know, hours on the site, but now it's coming down to things like nobody else can answer the phone. You know what I mean? And I'm still trying to make time to install. It's crazy. I would challenge that. I would, I would, I would have to challenge that um, because I used to have that same thinking of nobody else can do it. The, the way you uh, get it, um, to where somebody else can step into their place, you have to create a system or you have to create a process. 
look, analyze your own, um, let's say sales process. Note it, put it down on paper to say, hey, when I go into a house, I do X, Y, Z. So now you have a script to where you can teach someone how to do that portion. Or if it's estimating, hey, I got firm prices. These are my set prices. Um, I can teach someone how to type up an estimate, giving the information. Even if even if you still go do the uh, the initial consultation, you can pass on that information from the consultation to someone to enter it in and email it off. Now you don't have that responsibility. So I wanted to challenge you because again, I was in that position myself and uh, I'm now developing systems to where, hey, it's a, it's a script. S- somebody can easily follow it to say, okay, I can do that. To where now you can manage the company. Let's say you're not at the point to where you don't, uh, you, you, you can have someone installed for you. At least you'll have someone possibly answering the phones, uh, sending out bids, and now you could just focus on installation. And if anything comes up, you can focus in those areas. Uh, like I said, I'll I'll challenge you to do that because again, it's 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 easy for us to get into that mindset of I can't pass this on to nobody else because nobody else will do it like me. Well, if that's the yeah, case, analyze how you do it and teach them how to do it like you do. That's what we're trying to work on <clears throat> right now is the whole my wife wants to take on some of it. She does a lot of the my, the financial stuff and because I don't know how to do any of that. That's yeah. something that I wish I would have learned before I started was just about how much it costs to run the business and then how to budget the money once it starts coming in because it comes in in big amounts. You know what I mean? So it can be, it's easy to be irresponsible or not know where all the money's supposed to go. Uh, I don't, I don't know if you've ever, um, if you ever heard this on the episode, uh, but the uh, profit first for contractors changed my company. Yep. Go that, read that, that we, book. Go follow it. We actually accounts up. We just ordered that book. Actually, yeah, I don't when I tell you, I it changed was... changed my company. Like I was the same way. Money would come in and money would go out, and I'm looking like I just had a lot of money. Where did it go? Right, like, and that's kind of where we're at today. Is like. We got the install down. We've got the reputation down. Now we need to get to the point to where we're rolling like a, like a responsible, functioning company. Because just because you got good finances doesn't mean that they're all being watched. So my wife wants to kind of take a part, step away from that. And we're actually going to hand it over to a company, yeah. a payroll accountant. Because it's just too much to know. I mean, they have, that's the reason why they got a job for it. You know, at first you start this stuff and you want to save every penny you can. You want to do it all yourself, but it, it's just not possible, you know. And it's even, kind of even when, when hiring uh, accountants and, and uh, bookkeepers, that's still something that you have to manage. Nobody knows your company the way you do. Um, I've right. I've found that I'm in constant contact with my uh, my accountant. Like my CPA has to learn how to run my business the way I run it, want it run. Like you right. can't depend on your your accountant to to tell you what to do because it's not their business. So it's right. a, a that's a, a a good thing to keep in mind when it comes to someone doing uh, your bookkeeping. 
they you kind of have to coach them through it. So it, even though you're not doing it, you still have a task of managing that relationship, which takes time. So it, it's it's just letting letting you see how much time it would be if you had to do it yourself. Like it's a lot that goes into oh. it. Uh, delegating oh, is huge for us. I think all around though the communication between each asset to your business model is pretty out of it. I mean, you have to have relationships with everybody so that things move smoothly. You know what I mean? You can't just call up your accountant when you need them and only call them when you need them. You know what I mean? That's not a good relationship to have. And it's kind of something that I've learned, you know, over the last year is 50% of the job is the relationship you have with the people you're working with. I mean, communication is the step first first step towards that you know relationship being good and uh you know going back to the beginning after the first two jobs it was pretty tough to make it through them i mean after being a box store sub and it being so easy for so long that after those first couple of jobs man it it was i was questionable like do i even want to do this for real you know i want to i want to be known as there's no talent sellers you know he's I had started listening to Tile Money and started following like GTP and I started following Tile Geeks. So I'm like, man, this is cool. And there's nobody out here really doing it. I mean, there's enough people. I mean, when you look at the group, like, dang, there's 15,000, whatever installers doing this, but that's nothing. I mean, there's no, there's a couple of guys out here who install, you know, a couple better than me and a couple that might be just as good as me, but there ain't a lot of guys out here doing some of this work that we're doing in these showers and that kind of kept me afloat. You know what I mean? I, I'd see, I get inspired by like Alex Walters and E, you know, and Andrew Etile and then even some local guys that actually I work for now, uh, like St. Louis renovators, uh, James Erlinger and, uh, some of the more local low key guys. Um, I was inspired by all these guys because they were doing stuff like miters and, uh, you know, some of the new layouts that people are doing, how technical they were about how centered everything was and, the, you know, false joints, you know, all this stuff. I'm like, I started getting inspired. Like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to start working strictly in showers and that's what I'm going to market and that's what I'm going to brand. And that's what I did. You know, after I made it through those first couple of jobs, I had that one really good shower. That first job was like slate wainscoting, uh, two by six marble hex on the floor, uh, zero entry with uh, stacked marble on the walls. It was beautiful. It was like yeah. my first one to show off. And I had to teach myself how, how to do all this stuff. You know, I, I did a little bit with my father. You know, he, did, he was a sub too, so he didn't do a lot of showers. Um, so I started getting educated on Schluter and Weedy. I had only done weedy and duroc at this point and i only yeah. done two weedy showers because nobody could afford that stuff right you know so you know i started off i knew how to do weedy and i knew how to pack a pan but i hated doing it and then i learned about schluter that's when i kind of took off on these showers and uh yeah man it, i'm pretty blessed to be where i'm at right now especially with the things that i've went through over the last year and starting out as rough as it was i mean if i could tell anybody you know that starting out from being a box store sub uneducated, maybe even learn, you know, some of the wrong things is like, just don't give up, you know, 
nothing is the same about being a box store sub than it is being your own contractor, your own boss, and running a legit tile business. Um, and it's very stressful, and there's a lot to learn. You know, and when, when I finally made the jump to being strictly custom showers and started branding that, um, you know, all I knew how to do was waterproof a shower and do good tile work. I didn't know how to schedule or anything like that. And then I started doing miters. So everything was super stressful. You know what I mean? I'm learning everything at one point. And uh, it was kind of crazy, for real. Um, I, think, I, I, think, just pushed... I think we all, we all... Um started out and and at that point of and I, I can't say we all some some people might just started off uh just blowing it out of the water um but I think we all have been in that place to where you stepped out on your own after working for someone and you thought to yourself why did I think this was gonna be a good idea because you haven't figured it out yet like <laughs> You're going, you're going, you're going yeah. through the process, and it's like, this was definitely not smart. I could have made more money doing what I was doing. I knew how much I was going to make. I could have just kept it simple. So I think all oh, yeah. of us have started at the point to where we feel like, was this a good idea? Like, did I make a good decision? It feels stupid right now. It's been at least three times this year that I've said, what Union Hall is hiring? You know what I mean? Because yeah. I'm about done. You know what I mean? Like, is there a union hall hiring right now? I'll take the benefits over this any day. But, you know, I find, I guess I'm a driven person. I'm passionate about creating maybe something for myself and my family. I think it's more about the integrity of just doing it right. Because I'm kind of obsessed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I sit on my phone for hours. I try not to do it at home, but, and I educate myself just like off these groups. Uh, you know, plenty of people put out plenty of good content. Uh, that too many people pass up that is detrimental to doing the job right. I mean, I I learned almost everything you can learn. I'm still learning, don't get me wrong, but about right. the installation process when it comes to a shower. Because you only get to see two videos before you go like, dang, man, I don't want somebody to fall through the floor. Yeah, And, and it's kind of scary. I think the first video I'd seen was uh, Isaac Ostrom. It was a weedy shower. And the thing was all done right except for one little spot. They had done something their own way. And it caused major damage so it's pretty adamant to me that I, you stay educated on what you're using what the new products are the new ways of waterproofing why you should waterproof how to waterproof um because i mean you'd be ignorant not to i mean it's free content it's free education right. you know right. what it's i mean your, it's your job like <laughs> it's your right. job <laughs> You know, and I and I believe there's, you know, my dad was a, an old school guy. You know what I mean? He he spot bonded. That's that's the first tile installation I ever seen on a wall was spot bonded over Duroc with no waterproofing. Mm-hmm. You know, packed over a pan, but he would swear by it. You know what I mean? And so, like once I even drug him into it, he started learning some things about the way he was installing, which was passed down on him from just right. somebody else. And, you know, he never had a shower fail because he had common sense to like figure out what would fail. You know what I mean? Um, but that didn't mean that he wasn't doing it. You know, he didn't, wasn't doing it wrong. I mean, the amount of mildew that's probably behind every tile installation he ever did is probably enough to kill a whole family. Yeah. I mean, he spot bonded for 20 years. 
And then I started introducing him to these groups and stuff. And he was like, man, this is crazy. I never knew about any of this. Yeah. So not only the new guys who need, you know, who could benefit from this, it's some of the older guys, you know, that have been doing it for so long, they never even knew that they were doing it wrong. You know, so this edu, you know, this free education that's out here, this content, you're silly if you don't take it. If if I would have never started listening to, it, I wouldn't be where I am today. So um, that's for sure. Year one, you're in year one, right? Yes, sir. Year one, what's the schedule look like? For uh, for Corbin Flores and more. <clears throat> so at this point, I mean, it's kind of crazy to even think, but I don't even know where the schedule ends right now. Like I don't know where I'm scheduled out to. When people call, I you know I, I'm on just even doing estimates. I'm like a month out. Like I can't even go out to nobody's house to do an estimate for a month. I'd say we have one. Two, three, four, five. We have six showers lined up and a couple bigger floors. Uh, we actually got a couple laminate floors that are going to go in. Uh, thank God. Um, be a nice little break <laughs> in between. Look, we um, always get excited about the laminate and hardwoods. Like, all right, man, something it, like a knockout fast. It pays good, you know. Um, yeah. It really does. Uh, and it's fast and it's easy on you. Uh, so we're scheduled out probably March, you know, um, and then most of those are some showers. I do work. I have made myself into like a higher end, maybe a higher tax bracket. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the showers that I do are still local. I mean, they're middle class. They're nothing crazy. You know what I mean? Um, but I do have some bigger ones coming up. I don't know if you I follow my Instagram or anything, but I just finished one it was that it was a big one i was there on and off for six months this year Uh, three bathrooms um and a huge backsplash but uh he had just called me yesterday and asked what my price would be on something similar to the master we just finished so we'll be doing another full tile master it should be pretty pretty intricate uh marble and glass some miters stuff like that so i'm I'm looking forward to it. I know that we've we're probably going to spend most of this year doing strictly showers, uh, and that's you know that was the goal the whole entire time. But you know the name's Corbin's Floor More. We still do floors. You know what I right. mean? You can't pass up a two thousand foot, you know, or a thousand foot even floor. You can squeeze yeah. it in no time, and you know what I mean. So we'd be silly to pass up those. So um, but, the reason why I wanted to 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 get that answer is because although it's been busy for everybody um, this year, uh, busier than normal for everybody this year in, in our industry, in year one, to be booked out that much means that you're doing something right. Um, so if you can think about, or what would you, what, what would you consider uh, why have you why you've had this type of success? Because in the first year, uh, I think for anybody, even if you have a portfolio, you got to put your name out there. Like you got to get people to know you. So to be booked up like that means that you're doing something uh, that's working. And what do you think that would be? Is it social media? Is it um, what kind of marketing you're doing? Like what's what's what has gotten you to the point to where 
y'all are booked out this far and also have already tapped into uh, the high-end clientele? You know, aside from who we are as a crew and kind of what we uphold as our standards, I'd probably say I'd have to give all the glory to Instagram. 100%. That's how I've met, you know, STL Renovators. Um, I met them through Instagram, uh, my Facebook, uh just the way that you can share what you do to such a huge crowd and community so easily. I think that that really, just those two platforms right there, posting not as frequent as I do now, but even just each job as it was done, nice looking picture. I think that those two things, those two platforms alone are probably one of the reasons why I am where I am now. Do you um, invest any money into like advertising? Um, do you spend money on marketing outside of social media? No, I did try to do the the Facebook ads a couple of times. Um, and I do think they work if you know how to use them correctly. But at, at, as time went on, I had gotten so busy, I couldn't even afford to get my, I couldn't afford to get my name out at all just because the amount of learning I was doing versus installation time, it was taking me longer than normal to do these jobs that I had expected. So, you know, I was constantly working, so I couldn't even really afford to do any extra advertising. At first I did do some sharing, like on some local contractor groups, like in the area, uh, just about my page and like what we did and, uh, you know, made a post that was engaging. Um, Something always, you know, with me in it, uh, maybe my wife, because she worked with me on and off for a while. God bless her heart. And, uh, you know, just something always for somebody to stop, look at, and breathe. And it wasn't just, hey, call me. You know, I was like, hey, do you need a contractor? Do you need a contractor that's quality? You know, this is our Facebook page. Just, you know, post a picture of a job, whatever. And I think that at first that really did help me because I started getting, you know, some builder grade showers just like right off the bat, um, just from local, uh, let's say realtors or contractors that were smaller or just, you know, middle-class homeowners that were looking for, you know, a deal. Uh, but that's kind of how I found, you know, my in-between work and some of my beginning work was off of those Facebook groups. And the reason I was asking that is because, um, you know, just just the world has changed. Things are different for for new companies than it was uh, back in the day. Back in the day, the uh, new company was was told you're an installer. You just you just got your uh, company going. Hey, go buy these tile stores. Go drop a card. Um, go to all the suppliers, introduce yourselves. And nowadays, you don't necessarily have to do that. Is it still good to do? It is, but you can still grow a company just by these uh, social medias and uh, the means that you've used to bring you uh, success early on. Like older companies didn't have these opportunities to do it. So I just wanted to mention that for any of the new companies to make sure, um, like, this has to be a part of our business nowadays. 
Like you can't oh, have yeah. a company and not operate and maneuver uh, and have a social media presence because you will be leaving money and clients on the table and you will just prolong uh, the growth of your company. Yeah, I just don't think it was that big out here yet. But I think as some of these guys uh, get a little bit bigger and a little more local, that some of these tile guys or, or floor guys are taking pride in their work and being on social media, that some of these stores around here are actually finally starting to do it. Uh, one of the stores, my old boss actually owns a store in just the town over from us. And he he focuses on more hiring stuff. My dad used to be the uh, tile installer high-end showers and stuff before he passed just not too long ago but uh so they just started catching on and they're doing social media now and i i guarantee you i mean they they ended up hiring somebody just for it just mm-hmm. because they seen the impact that it had on their business i think us contractors are already hip to it you know for the most part because you know a website is basically your showroom for most contractors so it was easy for some people to make the switch with these stores haven't really caught on to it right uh, and i've i mean one of my old helpers he went out this year on his own as well for just doing floors and he had planned to go box store so he had asked me how to do it and i just told him the same simple things like make sure your posts are engaging make sure your pictures are well go on these groups around here and just post what you do and people are going to reach out to you and eventually word of mouth is going to take over. And I mean, he's booked out probably February as well. Um, his year has been great. Um, so yeah, I mean, Facebook is an amazing tool. I mean, especially if you utilize it to your local communities, if you can offer a service that's unbeatable, there's thousands of people to be for, for them to recommend you to on that Facebook group. You'd be silly not to utilize it. Now, another area that is always uh, seemed to be uh, a struggle in the beginning is pricing. Um, to be booked out, yeah, that, do, you, do you feel like you are uh, you're still tweaking your prices? You don't have to tell your prices if you don't want to, but do you feel like you're still tweaking <laughs> your prices? Do you need to go up on them, or are you winning all the jobs because your prices are low? Like where are you at as far as pricing goes? <laughs> I definitely think that in the beginning I was winning as many jobs as I was because it, I was at a competitive price on my showers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, these days, I think I know where my pricing is, but everything kind of fluctuates. You know what I mean? When you work in between middle class and upper class, the tax bracket's different. You know what I mean? You got to kind of charge accordingly. So, yeah, I think I have figured out a fair way of bidding, but it's still getting tweaked every time. You know, if I try to do day rates if I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's something that I think's you know, a little more affordable, a little higher end, I'll try to stay around 750 for labor a day um, and then plus materials. Uh, or, you know, maybe I'll have to tweak that a little bit, just depending on the job. You got to fill out every customer, you know, with right. the first conversation. Um, but if I go into, you know, a middle-class home, you know, I'm going to bid – you know, showers are always by the day, $500 a day at least. Um, you got So you got to learn how to bid accordingly for what you need to make that day, which I learned from the content, you know, you and Luke. And then, you know, you add your materials on top of that. But with the middle class, I never try to tax them, you know, on the materials. I try to give them to them for a fair, fair price, you know, what I would pay for it so that they can afford, you know, to pay my labor. 
because I can't yeah. take a hit on what I need to function, but I don't need to make a profit off of everything. Right. So it's all different, you know, and it still fluctuates. I have lost maybe two jobs this year because I bid them too high. But in my mind, once you get to a certain point, if you're busy enough, bid them like you don't need them. You know what I mean? But be fair. You know what I mean? Right. But you got to eat. You know what I mean? So, I mean, you got to bid them according to each job. Uh, it was actually a, my first two, uh, 24 by 48 job it was going to be. And I had to go in there. It was probably a 200 square foot floor and then like a, a five by 10 shower. And it was going to be all 24 by 48. But I had to take the Duroc up because nobody had thin set it down. I had to mm-hmm. take it up, then set it down, put it back down, and then like rehang all the rock on the walls. It was a nightmare. And I bidding it for like 10 grand. And I didn't get that one which kind of hurt me a little bit because I really wanted it. <laughs> but I was going to do everything. I mean, we were going to, yeah, you I mean, we were going to vein match the floor, you know, with these big old thin panel porcelain tiles. I mean, it would take me all day just to vein match, lay out that much tile. Yeah, you I'm sure, I mean? so sure 10,000 was still low for, yeah, for I what thought you were going to put into too. it. Yeah, I mean, I think I was just under 10,000 actually. And that included a little bit of materials, you know what I mean? Waterproofing. Uh, and stuff like that. Like I had to take the whole. The, the, you ever use those tile-ready pants before? I haven't used the tile-ready pants. Well, they had one of those. It was not thin, set it in mud. It was. It was just a total nightmare. So it was basically a whole redo. Right. And then, so it was a pretty fair price, but it was high. You know what I mean? For around here, it was definitely high. And uh, I didn't get that one. So still haven't done no twenty-four by forty-eight yet. That's all right. I had a 24 by 48 schedule and materials being on back order changed that, which I wasn't, I wasn't upset. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll get my day. Right. Looking ahead after, after year one, what areas are you looking to, to gain more knowledge in from the business owner standpoint? You know, you got to, do installs you got a lot of stuff to juggle what areas are you looking to learn more and and get better at well i mean i guess really all around everything i think i feel like i'm still improving on most every aspect of the job but scheduling would be the number one thing learning how to have everything in front of me all the potential jobs all the confirmed jobs and then be able to predetermine and schedule accordingly. I mean, right now, I'm blessed to where most of my clients, they don't want really anybody but me. So other than contractors, it's like a first-come, first-served basis. You know, I just go down the list. After I finish one, we move on to the next one. So I'd like to be able to have a better business model to where I can see what I have, predetermine the schedule, so that I know what kind of income I'm bringing in. And then... I mean, other than that, I'd I'd probably like to learn how to train my employee a little bit better. I mean, I think that where most people are definitely where most people go wrong is they end up an independent forever. And uh, I want to pass on the knowledge, but there's a certain person for that job. I mean, not everybody can train somebody how to be as productive as possible, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? And still be on the team as to be like maybe eventually being 
partner to end the company. Does that make sense? Because eventually I don't want to set tile no more. You know what I mean? And I'd like him to set tile. And if he set tile for so long, maybe he could take on, you know, the project managing side. So I'd like to get insight on how to productively do that. I think you were talking with maybe Malcolm a few weeks ago about yeah, Malcolm, how Malcolm showed train. just just uh just released today. Okay, maybe it was today then when we listened to it. So yeah, I mean the way that he was saying that he has that process to train people to to scale them up in the business is genius. You know what I mean? Because you get so caught up installing with your, your apprentice that all they ever are is an apprentice. Right. You know what I mean? So to, to educate yourself on, I guess you would call that human resources or personal relations to where you can educate and upscale your help to the extent where they can maybe take on a job, you know, off your hands and become a new installer. And then one day take something else over. I feel like that's, that's a special quality you know i mean you have to educate you it doesn't not anybody can do that you know i get so focused on all the stuff that i'm learning right now that i don't know how to run helper-based programs you know what i mean i know and i think that's that detrimental the, uh, i know that the, the ntca has an apprenticeship program that if you're a member say you have a helper on on a team i i've recently done this with uh with my company there's a program that you can uh, you can send them through. They can go through modules. It's not hands-on, but they can learn the uh, the the standards and um, the the technical side of the industry, and have the knowledge when they come onto the job site. To where now you can show them, or they'll it'll click more to as uh, why you're doing what you're doing. You won't have to go, right. go through uh, t- teaching them why you're doing directional traveling. They'll already know because they've gone through the program. Um, I think it's $25 that you have to pay and you can send uh, an employee through the apprenticeship program. Um, Another another good thing to do is there are books on uh, how to be a leader. Um, a, A key thing as a business owner for us is sometimes you have to fill people out to see where they'll fit best. Because everybody doesn't go through the ranks the way you would want them to. Sometimes you might have to pull one of your helpers that would be amazing in scheduling. Like, man, look, I know you want to to install, but I, I see you being really good in this area. Let's see if this will fit. I might be able to send you out just on estimates. And you might you might go schedule all of my consultations. So sometimes it takes you as a business owner stepping back and seeing who works best where and then start moving those people around. Because sometimes yeah, we have in our mind, sometimes we have in our mind, uh, everybody's going to go through um, this process the same way. And different people right. got different personalities. You might run somebody away that would have been great in uh, customer service because you tried to put them as the grout guy, you know? So sometimes right. that's that's really important for us as business owners to, to be able to say, you know what, I need to find out who these people are and how they can fit into the company. Yeah, I think that's what we're going to try to focus on mostly this year is just how to expand and educate at the same 
times that you know what i mean we want to be able to do all these installs that we're getting calls for and we want to become a reputable company and you don't learn how to do those things when you grow up learning in the field so yeah. this year we're going to focus on how to run a business is that you know what i mean we don't want to just be installers no more we want to run a legitimate business because one day down the road we're going to want a storefront i mean that's that was the goal in the beginning yeah. you know so somehow we got to figure out how to run a company not just do installations we got to figure out how to run a company yeah and luckily you know i just got a new a new apprentice within the last few months and it's actually my brother-in-law and I would have never expected that he would have turned out to be as good of a help as he is and as interested in tiles as it is. Because I, I tell anyone who I hire that if you don't want to learn how to do this, then you are not going to enjoy doing it and you'll never excel. I mean, you want to make $25 an hour doing tile with me, then you're going to have to have an interest in doing it with me. Because you'll never, if you don't develop an interest or a passion for it, you're not going to want to learn how to do miters. You're not going to want to learn how to, you know, do layout or anything of the sort. You're just going to want to mix mud and grout. Uh, you and might not want to do that. If you can't make it past, <laughs> right. uh, past grouting, like, that's that's not fun. Like, I don't I don't mm-hmm. know about other people. Uh, unless it's epoxy grouting. I like epoxy grouting. But um, if you can't make it past grouting, this, you might not ever get to this that that twenty five dollar installer position because this is a part of it. Like if you want, you, if you you got to be able to come to the job and be able to do it from start to finish. If you don't have that on your radar, you're not gonna like this. Like you won't mm-hmm. like it. There's gonna yeah. be days when you and got that- mud all over you. It's gonna be days when uh you 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 can't stop cutting yourself. Like you you won't be having fun. And I had never had a helper who ever wanted to do tile. You know what I mean? They're just waiting for the next floor because everybody shines when they do a floor. Like they're the most, be- the best flooring installer because they can click laminate together or nail, run a hardwood nailer. You know what I mean? So I never had a, somebody who wanted to mix mud, who wanted to grout. So it was always like, I think one of the best things I ever had was a, a, an apprentice who was brought a positive attitude to the job and wanted to see the end result. Because grouting is not that bad whenever you get to stand back and you appreciate the work you just did. But I feel like a lot of apprentices or helpers never get to that point. They don't even care what the shower looks like. They just want to get paid. Right. You know, so to have a, a, a an apprentice that gets excited about the shower when we're done shows a lot. And he's, you know, I've always worked with grunts and, you know, you know, just the rough around the edges type of guy. This my brother-in-law, he, he plays video games and, like, doesn't do anything crazy like, you know, the most of the employees we ever worked with. So that that was one of the biggest things that I've had, you know, help me lately was getting out of my comfort zone with, with helpers, you know, that are rough around the edges and start hiring somebody who don't drink, who, who, who don't, you know, have drama in their life. And all they do is sit at home and play games. And then it ended up being the one that's the most passionate about the job. I think so. it's uh, for certain people. It's it's uh, almost subconscious. Once you step into the business on a roll, you really start looking at things different. Not everybody does, but uh, sometimes you 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 just have to look at things different because you see how it affects the company now. 
Like it's not, it's not right. just uh, every decision is going to come back to you. I think that's what it is. Like every decision that you make for the company is going to come back to you as the business owner and you'll have to deal with it. So now you look at stuff and you got a, you got a certain, a certain uh, radar that's like, I don't want to do that because I don't feel like dealing with this down the road. I don't oh, want to yeah, use those materials because I don't feel like having fixed this issue, situation down the road. Just like you said with uh, mud pans, like I, I don't like it. As a business owner, yeah. will it work? Yes, it will. It's gonna take me this much longer to do it. I, I gotta mix it in a certain place. I don't want to do that. So those decisions, as a business owner, you start looking at them different once you once you take that role on. Right, and that's definitely you know one of the things that I think I struggled with the most is that I would spend so much time working alone because I didn't want to make the decision to hire a helper that I didn't know that could end up, you know, stealing from a customer or, you know, scoping out a job site and then end up costing me a whole bunch of money. So like I spent a bunch of this year in between helpers just working by myself. And that is, I wouldn't, wish that upon anybody it gets it's so not depressing. fun at all it's not fun yeah, at all not. you can't have fun uh you tearing mm-hmm. your body up and all you're thinking about is i gotta go to another job when i finish this by right. myself <laughs> yeah. not no fun you, you know and that you know malcolm i think on this episode today he was talking about you know he had somebody steal some stuff from the store so it's like just hearing that one time after that I was like oh man thank god i never had to deal with that you know, so once you get out of your comfort zone, you know, and you start hiring these people that maybe you don't know and that are a little different than you, you know what I mean? And, and you start getting different results. It's it's all about just jumping out of that comfort zone and, and taking chances, you know what I mean? And most of the guys that would probably go out there and do you dirty or a customer dirty, they don't even show up the next day anyway. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, we all got to go through that too. I don't know how many helpers I've hired and they don't show up the next day. Always, and always. That's, that's probably, why That's why everybody that's listening to this show today, make sure you go back and listen to episode 41 on how to hire a helper because we talked about every piece of what, <laughs> what Oakley is talking about right now. Having somebody steal off your job site, they don't show up. It's not something that you want to deal with as a new business owner. You do not want to deal with it. It's stressful. It costs you time and it costs you money and it hurts your brand. Yeah. I mean, that episode there, I definitely I'll back you up on that 100%. There was some good stuff. I just listened to it earlier today. I mean, you shared some really good information in there. And that's, you know, I mean, earlier you asked how I got to where I'm at because it, I, I didn't, I, it's just crazy. All this content that you guys are putting out, you, Luke, the groups, is how I got here. You know what I mean? Like when Luke says, if you need $500 a day, charge a double. I mean, that's what I did, and that's how I got here. You know what I mean? Because yeah. we never learned that you, you should, the way that you guys have broke everything down is really eye-opening for people like us who come from $2 a foot. You know what I mean? And you never know. You think that you should go out there and install for two dollars a foot, and then all of a sudden you're wondering why your bank account hurts so bad, right. and then nobody knows all this stuff that you guys are teaching. So it's like, yeah, anybody who's listening to the struggles that we had over this last year, I mean, all the information is free for you. 
I mean, it's so easy to be successful these days. Right. Just utilizing the free education and the free platforms. Well, I mean, it'll, it'll land you the work that you that you desire as long as you're installing the way that people, you know, require not only the industry require but to the customer the what they were valuing. You know, I think Luke told that story or put it this way that like you can either afford a Toyota or a BMW. But if you're going to be charging, you know, for a BMW, you better do quality work. You know what I mean? And right. the mix between putting the effort into social media and educating myself every chance I can get on all the free platforms and content we got has got me to here. Oh, man, you know, look. And I, I, I'm sure that you'll be blowing it out the water uh, in no time. Um, look, in, in my eyes, you're already blowing it out the water. I know you you probably feel like you got you got room to grow, but um, that story uh, in the first year, hey, look, it's not many people that can tell that same story. So, um, well, I congratulate I mean, you. It started way back in the beginning, though. It's all about your vision. I think you had talked to Luke about that. You know, it's about the vision. You had to have a vision. So it started with the plat. You know, on Instagram four years ago. You know what I mean? So it don't happen overnight. But that since I did that for the three years, that jump, it looked like I had been doing it for three years when I made the jump. You know what I mean? So it wasn't just the what I did this year. It was slowly over the last period of time. So if you're a box store guy and you want to make a jump, you know, there may be a couple of things you want to do first. You might want to get a, a presence. You might want to build some relationships first. You know, you you said something earlier about how people can go out to the tile stores when they first go out on their own and build relationships with some of these stores. I mean, that's what I did the first couple of years. I, I got to know every mom and pop shop and every, you know, and then the big box stores. So I was pretty familiar and that helped the transition even more because if I needed a small job in between my own jobs, I was able to go to a mom and pop shop where I was already familiar with and get like a backsplash or something, Yeah, you know? So through all that hustle, I mean, I hate to say hustling because I'm trying to become more of a businessman, but, you know, that's where a lot of us start from that hustle mindset. Um, so from all of that, you know, I I was able to, you know, keep working hard and, you know, invest all my time into that to clear when I went out on my first year alone, 100K. And some of that was materials, but not very much. I mean, all I provide is setting materials. That's crazy. You know what I mean? See, that, that part I did not know. That's yeah. crazy. Maybe that's just crazy and, to me. I don't know. Maybe it's not crazy. It's crazy to me. I didn't do it's it my not first really year. That crazy. <laughs> when you look at how much it costs, though, to run a business, I mean, with everything, you know, if my bills are $4,000 a month, that means I need $4,800 a year to live and, fun, yep. you know, run this business. So making a hundred K ain't very much. That means I made some profit, you know, and that's not even enough to spend. So this is where we're at now. That's why I'm so adamant on all the education as far as running a real company and finances and stuff is like, just because I made 20 grand profit doesn't mean that that was my money. Like there's taxes and stuff involved in there. So a hundred grand really ain't enough. It's good because some people don't get it, but when you want to do it right, you got to have a higher number and that's where, right. you know, you got, you got to, okay, I made a hundred K. All right. Let's go ahead. We got next year. We got to do 200k. But how do you do 200k when you only want set, other than charge more? <laughs> you know, it doesn't happen. 
Oh look, so, see, and that's I, that's the part. That's the part. That, uh, another another challenge. Um, you take the data from the previous year and say, hey, I was doing, uh, let's say I was doing ten thousand dollars a month. Based on those ten thousand, either I can raise my prices, or um, if I want to do two hundred thousand a year, I need to sell twenty thousand dollars a month. So then you start targeting those uh, those customers that that'll pay the higher prices. You start targeting or marketing the jobs that will get you to the twenty thousand. So it's things like oh, yeah. that 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 you put into place to say, okay, well you know what, um, I did I did this much this year. I have a goal for this much next year, and you plan your entire year around how you hit those goals, whether that is uh, social media ads, um, who you're marketing your your company to, uh, where you spend your time as far as uh, uh, putting your brand out there. That's how you get to those those goals. You say, this is where I want to be, and this is how I get there, and that's what you do during the year. Sometimes it'll be uh, people that call your phone, they have a job that won't feed your goal that as a business owner, you can say, you know what? These are not the type of projects we're taking right now. Sometimes people look at it and think that that's like uh, not the best thing to do to turn certain certain jobs down. But as a business owner, that's what we should do because we have company goals. If it's not feeding your goal, it's taking away from your goal. So it's being able to look at things like that and say, hey, you know what? This month, we want to make $50,000. So we need to sell, let's just say, we'll, we need to sell two $25,000 projects. Let's say you go on Facebook and you're marketing, you're marketing these, these, these remodels, uh, full bathroom, cut and redo. Two of those will make you hit your sales. But without those goals or without those numbers, you'll accept every phone call that comes through. It might only hit 10000 a month. It'll feel like you're working, but when you look at the actual numbers, it's like, oh, man, I did seven jobs this month, but all we made was $10,000. Right. So being able to analyze uh, your your progress and your numbers that kind of way, man, I'm telling you, it's it'll be easy. Have I mastered it? No. But I have a better idea, a better uh, plan on how to move forward versus just answering phone calls, going out on bids and doing work with no clear, clear plan on where we're going as a company. Yeah, and definitely that's probably one of the things that have taken me off into the higher, you know, income bracket is the fact that I needed to charge more. Uh, it's kind of funny. Like one of the bigger contractors I started working for this year, uh, STL renovators, um, his favorite thing to say is charge more. You know what I mean? This is one of the contractors I work with. He's like, man, if you think you have an issues with scheduling or the fact that you think you got to do too many jobs, why don't you just charge more? Yeah. I'm like, well, that means I got to charge you more. He's like, well, you can't charge me more on this one, but who's to say you can't on the next? He's like, you don't think that I got here to where I'm at doing $100,000 bathrooms because I didn't I charge the same as everybody else. If you want to put out quality that people desire, they're going to pay whatever they want for it. 
And, you know, I mean, that was probably the best advice that I ever got. Yeah. Charge more. You know, and I think Luke says it too. I mean, you pretty much just said it as well. Do you want to do 100 projects a year or do you want to do 20 projects a year? You know what I mean? So it comes down to it. It's hard, though, to get comfortable charging that amount of money after you come from installing. I mean, people install for $10 a square foot on the wall. I mean, that's crazy. You can't make any money. Crazy. So to make that, to feel crumf- comfortable making that change, okay, okay I'm going to charge these people $1,000 a day because I'm going to do, you know, this X amount of work, quality work. It's really uncomfortable. But, you know, I've been blessed to make relationships with contractors who have a profit mentality. And that's because, I mean, so he's like that book you talked about, uh, Profit for Contractors. Yeah. Uh, He's a huge advocate of like Sean Van Dyke. So like the relationships I've built are definitely, you know, a blessing to the education that I've gotten. You know, I've built my confidence because there's people out there, contractors that I work with that are like, dude, if you want to make the jump, make the jump. And I mean, that's all you really have to do. If you feel like you're not making enough money, charge more. That's it. And then the key to the what what makes it easier to charge more is once you start charging more, um, you're required to uh, explain more of the value. Like, right. If the price tag goes up, then you can start breaking down of, hey, man, look, the reason we charge what we charge is because we do uh, 100 percent cleanup. Um, We're covering your your furniture. We're covering your. your appliances when we're working, we're keeping the dust down. Um, we're not smoking on your project. We're not playing loud music. We're being respectful. We we effectively communicate with you throughout the entire process of your job. Now the price tag doesn't look so big because because the, because they're thinking, damn, I'm really getting a lot for this price that he's charging. You can't just give them a price and say, oh, we do quality work because. A lot That's of people do quality said. work. Yeah. <laughs> right. A lot of people do quality work. If I do quality work and uh Joe Blow over there does quality work and his prices are cheaper than mine, why would they hire me? Right. Yeah. And I can't remember you had spoken with somebody about I think that specific topic about how to sell yourself. You know what I mean? Over the phone before you even get there. Yeah, That's that was with, one of the uh, biggest with Derek, things. Derek Johnson. That was one of the biggest things that changed my career. You know what I mean? Because I was that guy. I get home. As soon as I get home, I eat, and then, bam, I'm back out for another three hours. I mean, he was dead on with that, uh, doing a, you know, an estimate. And it's like I've been pretty lucky to land most of the jobs I've gotten because they're referral-based, but those are fair-price jobs. You know what I mean? I wasn't competitive with those. So to be able to pre-qualify clients over the phone saves me so much personal time that I shouldn't be stealing from my family. Right. It's crazy. I mean, these things, I learned that from James as well with STL Renovators. He says, I pre-qualify everybody over the phone. So if you can't meet my deadline and if you don't have, you know, a clear budget or enough, you know, a big enough budget to do the scope of work that you're asking for, then I don't need to waste my time to go out there. No disrespect. You know what I mean? Because, you know, everybody, there's an installer out there for everybody. I you think I, mean? I don't even think it's, it's, it's disrespect. I think uh, customers know that. I think they can understand that um, because once you put it like that, they they realize that. Well, you know what? I'm really not ready, and 
I'm not, I don't want to waste your time just having you come out here so you can tell me a number and then I can think about it and you can do that over the phone. And I don't think installers uh, look at it as uh, taking it personal because some people are, are set in their ways. They just, right. they feel like um, face-to-face uh, interaction is how they sell their jobs and they're fine with driving however long they don't look at it as a waste of money because they they're thinking that they that if they close the deal it's not a waste of time now if that's if that's the way they want to go then if that's what works for them that's what works for them we know that people will will um put you in a position to to waste your time and as a business owner that means wasted money for us so i don't we don't have we're not in the, the the position of wasting money. Like you don't start a business to waste money. We have to be uh, effective with every every second of our day and try to maximize on it. Unless it's leisure time. If it's leisure time, then we're just having fun. I'm not I'm 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 not doing anything uh, for a dollar right now. I'm off. Right. And I think was too many people. Let's try to say it. They'll go look at a job sell the job and then feel obligated to the job and not have you any, any time for the job. So I think one of the biggest things I've learned is to be upfront on the phone about a realistic timeline rather than go, Oh yeah, I'll be over there in an hour and then sell the job and then feel obligated to the install whenever it's come time to do it. So as I think one of the biggest things I had to do is get honest with myself about how much work I could actually do and what are, and, like a honest projected timeline would be to take on another project. Once I was able to start doing that, I was, I stopped getting overwhelmed because I didn't feel like I had committed to something that I honestly can't do. Right. And, and that's, that's helped a lot. I mean, it's so easy to get caught up in the go, go, go of the hustle that, you know, your reputation at first, you feel like rides on everything. Like if somebody calls you and you picked up the phone, you feel like you're obligated to that install because you don't know anything else. You know what I mean? It's going to feed your family. But once you start charging your worth, you start wrecking, you you start noticing a lot of things that you had taken for granted while you're out there just hustling. You know what I mean? To get to the next job. And that's time. Time is one of the biggest things that I will never give up now that I know that I have it. At first, I didn't even think I had it. You know what I mean? Working seven days a week was natural. You know, I think it's natural for a lot of us. So then to realize that time was more valuable in more than just one way. Like, my personal time is valuable, yes. But the amount of personal time that I could take and how it affected my work and my work ethic was irreplaceable. Right. Because when you're exhausted, you can't do anything 100%. Look, man, um, I think it was an amazing show. I'm glad you told this story uh, because we don't get to hear a lot of, I'm going to say, the new successes. I know you say you put in years of it, but um, the day you start a company and you go out on a company company for yourself, uh, it's a new journey. Like, it's different. Even mm-hmm. even the the years of back work, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a new journey. Things change on a daily basis taxes, uh, licenses, insurances, uh, procedures and methods of installation, all all these things change all the time. 
So um, being able to hear a, a story of a new success like this is amazing for people to able uh, people to be able to um, share the experience because there's there's people that's coming up behind us that will be listening to these shows that are curious on what works, what doesn't work, uh, what they should be looking out for. So I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, do everybody a favor and uh, let them know how they can find you on social media so they can check out some of these amazing projects and websites, any numbers they can reach out to you if they want to book a job. And uh, yeah, give them, give them the info so they can, they can, they can book something with you. All right. Uh, I guess I'll leave on one thing. Just a little bit of advice that I want to say to, you know, to the new guys out there thinking about doing it. If you're not educated on the trade, get educated before you do it. If you can get underneath somebody and be apprentice for a little bit, do it. If you, you know, if you feel like you got it and you want to take the jump, don't give up. I mean, so uh, just two things, man, either teach yourself by somebody who already knows how to do it. Or if you've already made the jump, just don't give up, educate yourself. And I mean, this stuff will come around. You can find us uh, on Facebook at Corbin's floor and more. And then you can find us at Instagram at the same uh, tag it's Cor- at Corbin's floor more um, you can call us at 636-392-8512 um, we do have a website it's Corbin's but I think it's down right now actually so um, the email is the same Corbin's more at gmail.com um, we focus mostly on hiring custom showers so if you're in the market for one or you're a contractor in the St. Louis Missouri area um, feel free to get a hold of us. Um, and quick shout out to my, uh, my apprentice. He's a, he's a pretty heavy gamer and, uh, he's got platforms on Instagram and Twitch at, uh, Charvatar. Charvatar, spell it for him so they can make sure they find it. That's, uh, C-H-A-R-V-I-T-A-R. So for you gamers out there, go ahead and show them some love. I like to support my employees anywhere I can. It's cool to have a, a helper that's out there. He's got a passion for, um, of his, of his own, you know? So I try to show him some love if I can. Yeah. We got to make sure we build up the people around us, um, invest in, uh, the things that they're interested in and not just the things that we're interested in. So that's big. I I, I think that's dope that you try to help out. Um, again, Oakley, I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, Everyone, all the listeners, please do me a favor. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, leave us a review, rate us, and share this with everyone that you know that could benefit from this knowledge. I'll ask you to do the same, Corbin. If you hadn't subscribed, subscribe now. I get that from my daughter because she's always watching YouTube videos, running around the house saying, subscribe now. So, (laughs) so, um... Hey man, we'll have to do it again. Maybe we can we can uh reconnect on year two and see see uh where we're at now. For sure, man. I, I look forward to that. Hey man, you take it easy. Have a Merry Christmas. Um, take care of your family, keep rocking it out. Whenever you want to get back on the Floor Masters podcast, hit me up. You got a topic you want to talk about, something burning in you, we'll do it again. For sure, man. Happy holidays. Floor, floor, uh, floor masters. It's your first year, and you're trying to get through it. My boy Oakley told you how you do it so coolly, even when you're feeling stupid. 
Just keep laughing and learning. Don't be foolish. Cause what you do now matters in the long run. Cause you the right one for the job, not the wrong one. So what you do now is hit that subscribe button. Subscribe button. Subscribe button. Master Podcast, baby. Thank y'all for tuning in to this episode. Make sure you tune in to next week's episode. We got more heat. We got more guests. We got more raps. We got more amazing energy. We just got more knowledge for you, man. If you want to be more than what you are, you want to go to the next level, make sure that you keep plugged in to the Floor Master Podcast because that's what we're about. And we out.